stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach Stock strategist Brian Hayes, who is making his first appearance on the podcast. So he's new to Zach's, and I thought it'd be fun to get his insights about what's going on on the stock market. And for all of you to hear someone new on this podcast instead of our our usual crew. And Brian, welcome. Welcome to the Market Edge. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be able to do this and speak with you today. Yeah. And I thought maybe you might want to share a little bit about your background with the listeners since you are new to the podcast and some of them who are on zax.com i'm sure have seen some of your articles that have been showing up the last couple of months on zax.com but uh, they may not be as familiar with what your trading or investing background is so i thought maybe you can give us a short little you know uh soundbite kind of thing on what draws you to investing and why you love it. Sure. So my career has been centered in the investment industry. So prior to joining Zacks, I co-founded an investment subscription firm that provided clients with portfolio solutions. We also offered a weekly newsletter uh, as well as a series of educational content. So you know, fairly similar, uh, at least to our part of the Zacks business. Uh, Before that, I worked for a few well-known financial firms, and I've always had a passion for the financial markets. Uh, The strategic and risk management aspects were always what intrigued me, and that's what originally drew me to the markets many years ago. Um, I've been trading stocks and options for over 15 years now, and I've developed my own unique approach, which uh, I'm sure I'll shed some light on in our talk. I joined Zach's last year, and uh, it's been great working with you as well as the rest of the team, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Excellent. So, um, you must have been fairly young when you're buying your first stock. Was that uh, just something that caught your eye? Like, I'm always kind of intrigued on what what draws people to buy like their first stock. Right. So uh, I, I actually remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, I, I was attending college at Carnegie Mellon out in Pittsburgh. And uh, I was really just starting to get into investing. Um, This was back in 2005, 2006 or so. Uh, And the first stock I bought was MasterCard. Uh, I still remember it. And, uh, you know, like like so many others, um, you know, sometimes you have to learn the hard way and wish I had uh, held on to that one all these years. But uh, I was going to ask if you had, but I guess not. That was the IPO. Did you buy the IPO or close to the IPO? Close to the IPO, yes. Okay. Now, why Mastercard? You know, it was a company I was familiar with, and I, I didn't have nearly the type of analysis and in-depth research uh, in terms of my process that I have now. But you know, I felt comfortable with the stock, and uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I 
ended up selling it when the bear market hit in 2008. Yeah, that's it's uh, that's a good kind of lesson. I should I've done podcasts on this in the past, but I really should do another one. Maybe I'll have you on since you have this experience. But I've, I've talked with a lot of people over the years about why I can't find anyone who bought like Amazon at its IPO and held on all this time. There's people who bought you know, well after that have held on for like 15 years. And I'm talking about like non-employees, just like a regular person walking around who didn't work at the company. But it's it's really hard to hold on to a stock in like a major bear market correction like that one was in 2008, 2009. Like you think you can and you're like, oh, it's no big deal. Sure, I'll hold on to that. But you really don't do it. <laughs> you just don't. And so depending on when you buy it, obviously, but it's hard to um, hold on. But maybe we're going to see some of that here because we had a lot of IPOs last year. Now we've had this kind of bear correction again, and it's been severe in some of the stocks. So I guess we're going to put this to the test of how many people are going to hold on to the stocks they bought last year on the IPOs. And um, we'll see if, you know, they're in it five years from now. (laughs) But um, okay, so that's for another podcast, however. So let's go back to the topic I'm uh, we want to talk about this week. And that is what's going on in the stock market now, this rebound rally that we've had. um, You know, we've seen a big strong recovery in the tech and the growth stocks. I'm personally expecting the S&P 500 to probably bust out to new highs again, maybe in the beginning of this upcoming, you know, first quarter earnings season that's beginning in just a couple of weeks. We're recording this on March 29th, so first quarter earnings season starts about mid-April and we're going to get the fangs, the big caps that will drive the S&P 500 higher, I believe, to to start there in April. But we're also seeing a lot of other uh, kind of bullish things returning um, suddenly on this rally, including a lot of the speculators, as I like to call them, are back, the memesters, the Reddit guys, cryptocurrencies on the move higher again. A, a bunch of them are all moving higher. And we're seeing um, nothing happening in gold, even though that should be an inflation play here. And so it's getting kind of interesting, Brian. So I was taking a look at GameStop and AMC. Those are the two big memester stocks. And again, I'm recording this on March 29th. And when I went to go look at them, they were actually halted for volatility because they opened just kind of crazily. They had to be halted. I don't remember the last time both of these were halted. It had to be a year ago when they really took off. And so we're back to this again. GameStop and AMC both, you know, having all this crazy volatility. And I took a look to see what those two are doing. I know they're up big in the recent days. So GameStop, over the last five sessions is up 45%. AMC is now up 85% in five sessions. Those are the traders coming back in there. And over the month, they're up 60. Uh, GameStop over the month is still up only 45. 
but they've really turned it around after the sell-off here. So what do you make of these moves in GameStop or AMC? Is this throwing up any red flags for you about this rally? Or do you see this as a good sign? Like, hey, we're back. We're back to 2021 kind of market conditions. Well, you know, with this type of strong rally, I think it was inevitable after such a steep decline to start the year that we would see the return of these meme stocks as bullish investors really pile into names like GameStop and AMC. Um, I'm, I'm taking a look at the chart of, of GameStop right now. And, you know, through early March, the stock had declined around 50%. Um, and now it's, you know, climbed higher on the year. Yeah. Uh, AM, AMC, it's a similar situation where uh, it looks like the stock fell over 50%. So, you know, these names went through some severe drawdowns, and this could just be a lot of short covering um, as as the stocks start to make some higher highs here. You know, I also um, found quite interesting that uh, some of the FANG stocks have really shown some strength and you know in terms of drawdowns relative to a lot of technology they have held up fairly well uh apple google amazon relatively speaking have all held up fairly well through this and um you know i I know that apple i was just taking a look at this yesterday apple's now 7.1 percent uh, in terms of weight in the S&P, which is the largest weighting we've seen for any individual company going back to 1980. So I thought that was interesting. Wow. What was the highest in 1980? I'm not sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I must. I would guess without actually looking it up, given what was going on in the late 70s, that maybe it was Exxon or maybe Mobile or maybe even a Chevron, because those Exxon and Mobil were two separate. But the energy stocks were about 30% of the S&P 500 by the end of that second oil shock. Everybody right. everybody wanted to own them. Speaking of which, of first-time stock buyers, my dad actually bought Mobil oil in like 1976, and it was hard to buy stocks back then. But even he like dove in because that's what everybody was buying. Um, he did not hold it all those years, by the way. Um, so I, that's what I would guess. So it's, it is interesting that now it's Apple after all this time. And one right. of the guys, um, what is that? That's uh, says a lot right there. So do you think Apple is going to be busting out to new highs then, you know, when it, has its next earnings it's not far off right again from testing those highs right yeah it's it's only about uh you know a few percent from from the high that we saw uh i believe in early january so you know it's right there and we've seen a lot of buying in terms of the volume um over the last few weeks so you know i I do think that some of these tech leaders that have held up well will at least test if not make new highs okay so our conviction to stay in the sure things as i like to call them the fang man stocks 
uh, was correct. Like it, it has been true over the last five years or more that as long as you just kept holding on to these stocks, that you would be fine in the end. Yeah, so. I mean, th these are some of the best companies in the world, right? Um, they're they're even even for their size, they're still growing at a staggering pace. You know, and, and with, with the earnings picture still looking okay, albeit uh, slowing earnings growth. Um, you know, I think I think these companies uh, have acted as sort of a safe haven in the stock market. Does valuation on any of them concern you at all? Like Apple, I was thinking, oh, it may pull back enough to get down to like 22 times forward or something because its growth has slowed. But it, it has not gotten that cheap. It was down only about 26 times and now it's it's reversing and going going the other way. Yeah, you know, when, when I talk about valuation, to me, it's all relative. Um, I, I try not to really dictate any decisions solely around valuations. In my experience, stocks can climb a lot higher, even with high, relatively high valuations. So, you know, to me, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I would say if I were looking at an Apple or an Amazon or Google investing solely based off if I believe that the valuation is too high is not something in, in my wheelhouse. Okay. What do you think about the meta platforms here? Obviously, it's the one that's been beaten up the most out of the Fangmans. And it's actually pretty cheap on a on a forward PE basis. The cheapest it's been since, you know, it IPO'd and then crashed down. So should investors who are interested in these sure thing type stocks, should they be looking at, at Meta and trying to add it here? Yeah, there's actually two stocks that uh, sort of fit my criteria. Um, so when I'm targeting new trade initiations, there's two trains of thought. One is we can stick with this year's leaders. So obviously energy and uh, related sectors have, have done well. Um, oil industries, uh, shipping industries. So names like Chevron. I did a bowl of the day the other day on global ship lease shipping company or uh, container shipping. Um, so it's, we can- It's the ticker on that one. On the GSL. Ship. Okay. GSL is the ticker on that one. Um, so, you know, the first train of thought, we can stick with the leaders that have that have not only held up well, but have, have steadily advanced through the start of the year. Or we can target names that have gotten very oversold, but are still good, solid companies that are starting to show signs of strength and starting to show signs of a turnaround. A name like Facebook or a name like Square, obviously completely different businesses. But when I'm looking at the price action, I'm seeing a lot of similarities. And um, despite some short-term weakness that I think will, will likely come in the next week or so, uh, I do think that these names will have a solid April and that the rally uh, will continue throughout that month. So so backing up a little bit um, and, and, you know, in terms of what to expect in the short term, um, for this rally that has taken hold over the last few weeks, uh, we're at a point now where we're really testing uh, 
some of the prior levels that marked some some strong resistance back in early February. So right about 45.95 on the S&P. We actually broke through that today. Yeah. Um, but there's still a few hours left in the trading day and we've come down off the highs. Um, so you caught me on a good day, Tracy. That's it's a very <laughs> interesting, very interesting day for the markets. And um, you know, if we were to close in the red today, I think it's a sign of of some short-term weakness. And uh, just just have a few stats here for you. So looking at the last three to four trading days of March, um, over the past 32 years, and this is courtesy of Jeffrey Hirsch, uh, Stock Traders Almanac, over the past 32 years, the Dow has declined 21 times and advanced 11 with an average loss of uh, 75 basis points near the end of March. So 0.75% the last three to four trading days of March. Um, excluding the advancing years, so excluding those 11 years where we advanced, the average decline is right around 1.5% for both the Dow and S&P. And with this recent rally and the strength that it's shown, um, I'd expect to see some short-term weakness here and a retest of some of those prior levels that we broke through you know, in recent weeks. And looking at next month, uh, you know, April's a very good month historically. It's the best month, in fact, for the Dow since 1950, averaging about a 2% gain. And notably, April's been up 16 straight years, and it's rarely been a quote-unquote dangerous month. So, you know, the signs are pointing to, in terms of seasonality, the signs are pointing to some short-term weakness here uh, in the next week or so, and uh, a, a continued rally into April. Thought thought that was fairly interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize April has been that strong, but that makes some sense since we're supposed to sell in May and go away. <laughs> right, and, uh, and that's that's another point is um, the Nasdaq in particular tends to see its strength begin to fade at the end of April. Now, you know, in, in recent years, May hasn't really been, uh, you know, the sell in May and go away hasn't really come to fruition, right? Um, right? Right. Stocks have done well throughout the year. Um, but this year could be one of those years uh, where, where selling in May might be the thing to do in terms of short-term trading. And, you know, as we zoom out a bit here and 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 get away from the next few days or the next few weeks um we're in a midterm year right and midterm years on average uh going back to 1950 these this is courtesy of lpl research um we see an average pullback of about 17 percent so we've already seen you know pullback in that realm um with the nasdaq you know entering a bear market for for a limited time and after a year like last year that saw very limited drawdowns, you know, it's not surprising that we were due, due for some volatility. Um, but again, going back to 1950, there have been 18 midterm years with that average pullback of about 17%. And a year later, the S&P was higher every single time. And the median gain was over 33%. So, you know, there's that old market adage uh you know the stock market's the only place where things go on sale and people get scared 
But I think, uh, you know, history has shown us that these types of pullbacks are, are buying opportunities for the long term. And when you can get a Facebook trading historically cheaply and, and on the way back up, it looks like here, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a net positive for investors. So you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that you have the two different trading strategies, like you'll stick with this year's leaders in some cases. And then you mentioned Chevron. Um, should people be looking at energy still? It has had the big run. And then even over the last month, even with the Ukraine war and crude up above Basically, WTI been above $100 for most of the last month. The energy stocks really haven't gone anywhere during the last month. They have year to date, but not during the last month. Should should people be sticking with the energy trade here heading into the spring? It's a great question. And um, looking at the price of oil, I mean, you, 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 see, you, you sort of see this upside down V. And um, in the past, that that type of pattern has has marked a top uh, in in commodity prices. So you know, energy has had a, a heck of a run, and I, I think in terms of entering new positions, I I would be fairly cautious. It's also been interesting to see uh, that metals haven't really, as you alluded to earlier, you know, gold hasn't really acted as that inflation hedge and um, you know, hasn't really broken out apart from that early move in earlier March. It's sort of moved sideways. Same with silver. You know, they they were down a lot actually earlier today, and they and they've come up well off the lows. So yeah. they may be they may be retesting that, that that breakout level from from a few weeks ago, and and we'll see what happens here in the short term. But you know, in terms to answer your question, in terms of the energy plays, um, I, I would be fairly cautious here. I think you might see a, a short-term bounce, but I would be much more apt to target some of the uh, technology names and uh, semiconductors are showing a lot of strength. Some of the cybersecurity names are showing some strength. So, you know, I, I think I'd, in terms of new trade initiations, that's what I would be targeting. Okay. And should people stay away from the meme stocks? Or if they're so inclined, should they should they be, you know, getting back in that game? And if so, is there some kind of uh, separation between some of the meme stocks? So whenever I think of the meme stocks, I only look at GameStop and AMC. But there are have been in the past a couple of other ones, like Bed Bath and Beyond was one, and I was surprised to see that it's up 61% over the last month. And I don't believe that was based on its earnings at all. So they're back in that one too. So if I do wanna do like a meme stop thing, should I only be in the two biggest ones, the GameStop and the AMC? You know, I, I think the risk level is very high, right? In, in these yeah. stocks. And um, I, I wouldn't necessarily limit it, limit it to, any individual stock, obviously, for investors out there, you still want to do your homework. Um, but when, when I'm viewing these charts, it, it, the action looks very bullish on on above average volume, and these stocks are starting to break out. So there there yeah. is likely some upside ahead. 
for the investors out there, you may want to limit your exposure because they are susceptible to some some you know strong downside moves. But to me, it certainly looks like there is some upside left for the move. Yeah, I, I don't feel like there's real investors in any of these three. Right, right. Um, they're mostly the traders in there. At least I should hope that someone isn't actually investing in any of these. But <laughs> but I did think that this last earnings calls on, on all three of these might have put the end to the memesters, that they would, you know, close shop and and move on to something else but that is clearly not happening they are back they're back in a big way in these three and i guess if it's not broken you know don't fix it just stay in that game until it it is completely gone and it clearly is not so i do have to you know give kudos to the ones that did get back in and get that 85 percent gain on amc in the last five days good for them if someone is is trading that because everyone on this podcast knows my type of trading is based on the fundamentals and you know investing longer term investing and i've never touched uh at least gamestop and amc i have been in bed bath and beyond in my insider trader portfolio but that was a couple of years ago kind of before it became a, the, a meme type stock so um yeah i haven't I don't even normally look at these, but when they're halted for volatility, you got to kind of take a look and see what's going on with these. So good, good for those traders because that's what their their game is is to trade it. And the rest of us, I guess, we'll take a look at some of the fangmans and see, you know, if there's some buying opportunities there. It sounds like you think there is. I think there is. Um, and it should be interesting earnings season coming up here in April, so. Absolutely, and um, you know, another interesting point that I think we, we chatted about yesterday, Tracy, was that the uh, the VIX has really plunged um, yeah. in another sign of, of market strength. And, you know, it actually peaked uh, in early January. It had its closing high for the move in early March, but since then it's fallen nearly 50%. Um, so it's a sign that market participants are expecting price ranges to narrow in the short term and volatility to subside. Um, you know, earlier today I was taking a look and the VIX was trading under 19. Uh, it's been a while since since you know it's been at that level. Um, it's my thinking, and I, I'm I'm not in the habit of making predictions, but it's my thinking that. Um, it's likely fallen too far too fast here. Um, highly unlikely that this rate of drop will continue. Um, and in line with that that late March weakness I, I referred to in the market, I'd expect the VIX to pop back up here in a bit in the coming days. Okay, we'll be watching that as well. Um, so I'm gonna wrap it up, but just wanted to comment that we did not talk about the Fed at all on this podcast in our analysis of what's going on with the stock market. And that unto itself is also an interesting little side note, given everything that's going on out there. So um, there is a lot going on and you want to be sure to stick around listening to all the Zach's Market Edges as we move 
through earnings season, there's going to be a lot of discussion about what is happening with earnings and the outlook for the rest of the year. And then the Fed will be back in the game as well this spring. So let me recap the tickers we talked about. There was GameStop, ticker GME, uh, AMC, which is AMC, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, BBBY. We talked about Meta, ticker FB. I own it in my own personal portfolio. Apple, AAPL, uh, he mentioned Chevron, CVX, then uh, Global Shipping, GSL, Block, which is still the SQ because someone else has their ticker and they're not giving it up yet. So still SQ on that one. I always call it Square. Yeah, yeah. But someone has the Block ticker, some ETF has it. So they can't, unlike Meta, which is switching to the Meta ticker because they did manage to convince those guys to give it to them. But so far, (laughs) Square or Block is still on its own. I think that's about it. That's what we talked about. Do you own any of these stocks in your own portfolio, Brian? I do not. Okay. So neither one of us are in these memester stocks. So our loss on these big gains that they're saying, but good for them. And as always, I will see you next week with some more stocks on the Market Edge. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.